Let's turn to Psalm 39. Psalm 39. A psalm of chastening upon David's life and the brevity of his life in consideration of that chastening. Psalm 39. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Amen. Selah. Amen. Surely, every man walketh in a vain show. Surely, they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches, and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Amen. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thine hand. When thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity. Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. Oh, spare me that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. Psalm 39, we can divide it into five sections, verses 1 and 2 being David's temperance in speech, verses 3 through 6 being David's zeal for the Lord and his consideration of the brevity of life. Verse 7 being David's hope in God. Verses 8 through 11 being a description of the severe chastening hand of God on David at this time. And the last two verses, 12 and 13, is David's reasoning with the Lord to spare his life. But you need to remember with the psalm that here David is being chastened by the Lord. Yes. Verses 8 through 13 describe this. When you remember that as we read through the psalm, everything hinges upon this. Yes. Even his temperate speech, as we're going to see in verses 1 and 2, is because, is because God is holy and sovereign, and David is humbled. His zeal, that's going to be described in verse 3, is against his own sin, the vanity of wicked men, and the brevity of life. My intent with this psalm is to consider a righteous man's reaction to the Lord's chastening in his life. We want to see the evidence of David's salvation in five ways as well, as we'll get to that at the end. This is David's Reaction, his response to the Lord's chastening in his life. In verses 1 and 2, we're going to see that he takes heed to his ways, and here, especially his speech, that he sins not against the Lord. He uses the metaphor of a bridle. His speech is restrained and governed. He has it under control. He does not want to sin with his words, especially while the wicked are near. He brings shame against his God. Yes. His being dumb is not a lack of mental faculties, but rather it's Severe silence that would make him look like he's incapable of speaking, but that's because he's governing his tongue. Right. As followers of God, foolish talking is not to be named even once among us, according to Ephesians 5.4. We should not let our zeal or impetuosity cause us to speak in a time when silence is called for 
as here during the Lord's chastening. Proverbs twenty three twenty nine tells us not to speak in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of our words. When the Lord deals with us, it calls for silence on our part, except to call upon his name in mercy, for mercy and forgiveness. Yes. That's the first section of this psalm, verses 1 and 2. That's David's temperance and speech. The next section being verses 3 through 6, David's zeal for the Lord. We want to look at this built-up emotion yes. in David because of his sin, because of the Lord's chastening on his, in, on his life, because of the vanity of life and his, his own humility. Built-up emotion here. He desires to know the length of his days, that have a full understanding of his own frailty. The Lord made us frail. We are sinful creatures. The Lord made us frail with very short lives. David is disturbed at the shortness of his life and what he is doing with those days that the Lord has given to him. This vanity is that he describes here as men spending life laying up carnal treasures and not living for God. Our life in comparison to an eternal God who is eternal in both directions is vanity. When, it, when compared to the Lord God Jehovah, it says nothing. Our days are as nothing before thee. He would say in Psalm 107, Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. David is disturbed that men don't live for the Lord, and he's disturbed at his own unrighteous living. Vain living and sin in our life should cause us two things. It should first of all cause us grief, as it does David here. It should also cause us to number our days so that we can incline our hearts into wisdom. Most men apply their hearts and lives to gaining things, affection, recognition, money, and a number of other vain things and pursuits. Are we following after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness? The whole duty of man is to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with thy God. Carnal things are just extra blessings from the Lord. Verse 7 is David's hope in God. He makes a declaration of not being part of the vain show of verse 6. He doesn't want to be part of that. If he has in the past, he repents of it. He's, he's not waiting on the Lord to grant him peace or relief from the chastening hand of God. Instead, he looks to God for his hope. Even while being chastened, his hope is in the Lord. Yes. So in times of trial or chastening, where do we turn? To our family? If you have a spouse, do you turn to your spouse? Music? Motivating speeches? physical or emotional stimulants, when the Lord's chastening hand is upon you, when all gives, when all around you gives way, a righteous man flees to the Lord in humility and repentance. The fourth section being verses 8 through 11. This is clear evidence of God chastening David. He says in verse 9 that the reason for his silence is because God is sovereignly working in his life and chastening him. He points back to verse 2 when he was dumb with silence. Here he says, I was dumb, I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. Yes. It was the sovereign God doing this in his life. He becomes humble and acknowledges the vanity of his life in verse 11. When we ex- experience the same sort of situation that David is in here, do we admit to the Lord that he is sovereign and in charge totally and completely? Do we beg for his mercy as we see in verse 8 and 10? The Lord is good. He's ready to forgive. And he is plenteous in mercy. The last section being David's reasoning with the Lord. Here we can, we can remember that Jacob wrestled with God and prevailed. And here David, David wrestles by reasoning with the Lord that my fathers were strangers. 
They were pilgrims. This world was not their home, and I am just like them. As they were, they were righteous before you. They did not consider this world to be their home. I don't consider this home, this world to be my home either. I'm like my fathers. My hope is in you, and I am your child. You should relieve me because of this. He reasons with the Lord here. David wants to start over again. He wants to live for the Lord. He wants to die not being chastened for his sins, but rather he wants to die with a pure heart and with clean hands. He wants to meet the Lord in righteousness, not in sin. What does the chastening hand of God in our life cause us to do? Do we pity ourselves and live in continual sorrow and grief? Do we give up trying during the last hundred meters of our race? Do we give up trying when we fall down on our face? When we stumble and fall, do we, do we stop? Do we give up? A just man falleth seven times and rises again. So we should confess our sins, reason with the Lord with a humble and contrite spirit to deliver us so that we may yet live for him. David here doesn't just want to live. He wants to live for the Lord. We should once again press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in God through Christ Jesus. In conclusion, it might help us to remember that this could be five evidences of David's salvation in this psalm. Verses 1 and 2, temperance in speech is an evidence of eternal life. Amen. A righteous man is temperate in speech, especially when the Lord is teaching us or t- chastening us. Secondly, we could consider that verses 2 through 6, that hating this vain world and sin is an evidence of eternal life. And here it was for David. A righteous man is indignant at the vanity of this world and sin, and it causes him to number his days, to realize how frail he is, and then redeem the time accordingly. Thirdly, we could consider in verse 7, that hope in God is an obvious evidence of eternal life, as it is for David here. Fourthly, you could, you could consider that verses 8 through 11, chastening is an evidence of eternal life. The Lord chastens those whom he loves. So then we are sons and not bastards. We have, we have sweet assurance of eternal life and the Lord chastening in us, and it's the same here for David. And lastly, in the last section, a righteous man reasons with the Lord, and godly cannot do this and evidence of eternal life. Do you and I experience the same chastening of the Lord at times? If we do, how do we respond? In these five ways, like David? If we experience chastening, we should take comfort that we are God's child. We should respond accordingly and correctly, as David did here. If we respond correctly, as David did, the days ahead are full of hope through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Brother New, if we could sing the psalm, uh, all 13 verses.